You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Carter comes up shooting. Welcome to 95 to Infinity Podcast. I am your, once again, temporary fill-in host, Greg, the sport doctor, Yurashadis, joined with the Filipino sensation himself, Christian Wolfgang Graffin. Graf, how are you doing today? Great. I love how you just made up nicknames right at the beginning of the show. That, that's fun. <laughs> I, I try to do it in the image of our fearless leader, one Brandon Kajioka, who who is out once again today um, with a, a personal family matter. Uh, we wish all the best to to his loved ones. We no doubt we will be hearing his voice soon. And you know, on the sorry, did you have something to say there? No, of course. I was just going to say, of course, we, we, we wish Brandon all the best. Um, I was going to ask you uh, if we're going to go personal now. You call yourself the sport doctor. That's Are right. you a PhD doctor now? Like what happened? You defended your thesis last week. Well, give us the update. I snuck one past the goalie, man. Somehow, somehow UFT took mercy on me and finally decided that that I could call myself a doctor. Yeah. Uh, oh, been, congratulations. I, That's huge. Thank you. And, uh, look, no one gets anywhere by themselves. Uh, and there's a lot of people who I owe a, a huge debt of gratitude to. I'm not gonna, you you're know, welcome. Uh, don't worry. You don't have to man, me on friends, hey, friends were very important through this process for someone like me to make it through that strange world of, of academia. But enough about me. Our listeners don't want to hear that. They tune in because they want to hear about the Toronto Raptors. But let's keep it about the sentimentality here, okay? Because this past week, we had kind of a momentous game. The return of Kalo, number seven, who a lot of people believe, uh, as do I, frankly, to be uh, the Groat, the greatest Raptor of all time. Uh, Graf, a very simple question. Like, what, what, what were your thoughts on this return game? I was emotional, man. I, 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 I'm look, I'm, I'm usually honestly kind of an emotional guy. Like I will shed a tear at a moment when, you know, there's something that's really modern man, you know, I'm, about, <laughs> <laughs> I, I am very much so a postmodern man. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, man. Honestly, like the video tribute was really good. Um, you could see Kalo had his kids there. Uh, John Tory named him to have his own day. There was a fake statue going around Toronto. It yeah. was uh, it was the talk of the town for the weekend. And uh, I tuned in. I was watching with the whole family. Um, I shed a little bit of a tear even um, right at the beginning of the game. And and then I as soon lie. as it went. I can't yeah. lie during, I, I don't think you could be, you can call yourself a fanatic of the Raptors. Okay. And watch that video tribute and have a dried eye. Right. And this is the emotional connection that, that we make to these teams and players. Right. It's true. You, you, you really forget like how long Kyle's been here because there was the, look, the beginning wasn't great. Right. Like he, no. he didn't really want to come. And then eventually just worked himself into being an all-star and, and he was a backup. He was, a backup. He was, he was Jose Calderon's backup, right? Like that's, that's what he was. He turned into the greatest Raptor of all time. Cause I agree with you with, with that statement. I really don't think there's anyone that could beat him, even though Fred surpassed his three point record that night. Um, it's going to be tough uh, winning the champ, the first championship for the franchise, um, everything he meant, not to mention, he got us precious freaking Achua. Like, come on, the Kyle Lowry is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's right. And, you know, on that note, I just thought in that game, the very first possession, he draws a foul on a three pointer and you're like, God damn it, Lowry. Like, this is why everybody, right? This is why he's the kind of guy that you want on your team and absolutely hate playing against. Right? You, you start to, like, look at, like, all the – how serious he was on the court, but then how goofy he was off the court. And you you really do miss all those moments, right? It's kind of like – it's like if Russell Westbrook ever came to full potential, he would be Kyle Lowry. Don't you agree? Well – the, the, those are two very, very different players. I think if Lowry had wet Westbrook's athleticism, he wouldn't have grown into the crafty player that he is. Even like the last play of the game, like he gets that rebound and draws a foul as he gets the rebound. Like, right. <laughs> there, there, there are these little plays like throughout the game where you're like, up, oh, yep. Those are those little Lowry points that he picks up. That just couldn't contribute overall to winning. Right. You're right, you're right. And honestly, he's more like a Chris Paul type in the sense that he's so yeah. sneaky in those plays and drawing charges. And he tried to, he tried a few times to stop right in front of Siakam there and get a fat. And I think it worked once. It worked once. And yeah, it worked once. And you could see there were smiles all around, right? Like Fred mm -hmm. did a layup on top of Lowry at one point. He was smiling. Lowry wasn't like it. It, it really brings that competitiveness back. And it, it's a, a true passing of the torch kind of game as well. And I'm glad you brought that up because what I was actually most surprised at, okay, and maybe I shouldn't be, but Fred Van Vliet came out like a killer. Like, did you hear the speech pregame? Because they didn't censor it. I'll tell you that much. First, I, I didn't. I didn't hear the speech. So I had my TV on max volume as, you know, most Lowry fans I'm sure did. And Fred, Fred in his pregame speech, uh, I don't know the exact wording of it, basically went, fuck all this noise. Fuck yeah. the tribute. Let's win this fucking game. <laughs> yeah, no. And, but, and, but you saw it like in the way that he came out, right? Yeah, um, for sure. For and sure. I mean, you know, this is a guy that has grown in Lowry's shadow. 
And and I, I don't mean to say that as in he was put out put out by that in, in any way or that he resents it. I think he definitely relished in it. But you can definitely see in terms of what you said, passing the torch, you know, Fred was like, OK, you yeah, all the tribute, whatever. I'm the all star point guard here now. This is my this is my team now. Right. It's my turn. It's my time to shine. Yeah, I think really even Lowry said that too, right? Like Lowry said, like, it's my time to leave because it was Fred and Siakam's time to take over. And it is. He's right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, losing the game despite Miami missing Jimmy Butler. uh, Any thoughts on that? Were you disappointed in the end result? Not really, because look, we were missing OG as well. So that's, well, A, probably who would have guarded Jimmy. And you know, like, look, our record without OG is not that good. Um, yeah. Jimmy Butler this year has been so up and down. You, you really don't know which Jimmy you were going to get in that game. And if he wasn't 100%, it makes sense. I think the bigger surprise for me was the fact that Spolstra was like a last-minute exit. And then they had to bring in their um, their backup coach, basically, into the game, who's, I think this was his second game ever coaching, like a... Uh, Chris Quinn uh, and seemingly he did well because whatever he did at halftime, my uh, the Raptors were up by 10 going into half and then they just turned it around. I think he's like the Max Struess whisperer or something. Cause that guy just couldn't fucking miss a shot in the second half or Oladipo. Oladipo also couldn't miss. So yeah. no, I wasn't, I, I wasn't tied into the whole, no, because look at the end of the day, right now we're sitting in fifth above Chicago, and that's really, really, really what mattered to me. Yeah, and and you know, I'll spare the listeners my freak out about Nick Nurse getting, you know, out coached by that kid standing on the sidelines. Um, and we'll just go right into what you said. Look, the Raptors currently have a record of forty six and thirty three. That's good enough for fifth in the East, right? Uh, and it looks like we're going to be staying in that position. Uh, basically, I think if we win two out of three games, uh, considering that Chicago's remaining schedule is harder than ours, and I want you to consider this, okay? In what was supposed to be a rebuilding year, if the Raptors were to win, let's just say they go perfect in these last three games, okay? So they'd be 49 and 33. We would finish with what would be a franchise record through the first 20 years of the team's existence, and this is supposed to be a rebuilding year, right? And they've achieved this success despite the fact, as you mentioned, OG and, and our record without OG, how much better we are. Siakam not starting the year. Fred Van Vliet being out. And we don't have a very deep team, so not having those guys mattered. So this is basically a 50-win team. My question to you, right? Because to start this season, no one had – We, I, you know, I think we all said, you know, in the six to eight, six to eight ranges where they, they, they would land. Okay. My yep. question to you is what's happened that we didn't take into account with this group, right? What is it? Like what, what did we miss? What, what has stood out to you as, as elements here that has made this team as competitive as they've become? Well, number one is Scotty Barnes. I don't think there's anybody other than Masai in the Toronto Raptors fan base that could have predicted he'd come out and be this impactful in his first year. Um, he's averaging, honestly, he's averaging numbers that a vet would be happy with at this point. Like he's like 18, I think six and five or something. Like he's doing, he's doing remarkable. Um, none of us predicted that. Siakam also started the year as an, like, as an injured player, like you mentioned earlier. We didn't know what version of Siakam we we're going to get. Before, after Tampa Bay. Just to, 
before you go on to Siakam, you know, I was looking into this, okay? Barnes Barnes's win shares, okay, which are basically a calculation of 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 wins in a year that you contribute to, right? If right, so it, and it can range from like one on the low end to I think some of the better players have like 11, 12, this kind of thing. This is why uh, he's a doctor, folks. Uh Barnes's win shares for this year is six or 6.5. Okay. Vince Carter's win shares in his rookie season was only, was only five. So, and, and you got to figure Barnes, like, I'm sorry, Vince had the ball more. He could actually impact the game more. So this is actually one of the all time greatest Raptors seasons for a rookie. And this is in a, for a franchise that has had James Dottemar, Marcus Canby, Vince Carter, right? Uh, Chris Bosh, El Mago, Andrea Bargnani. Okay. Like we've had good rookies. So mm-hmm. to me, I, I think bringing up Barnes first, you know, that, that might be something that other people that aren't as familiar with the team would mention like fourth. But I agree with you. Barnes's impact cannot be overstated. I, I mean, he's he's just the biggest surprise ever, right? Like everyone wanted Jalen Suggs. Uh, well, most people I would say wanted Jalen Suggs, and look at the impact he's made on the Magic. Not not much of one, right? Like yeah. and again, of course, he's not surrounded by all stars, kind of like like Barnes is with Fred and everything. But then that goes back to roster construction, and it's it's the grand vision of Masai that he's been building this team of you know the joke goes around they're all six nine or six eight, and they're all playing the same position. I mean, it's not like Masai just created this this version of the team this year. This has been a work in the making, right? So basically, yeah. besides Gary and Fred, who are both amazing on-ball defenders and pests, to say the least, we're, we're a team that really, really took advantage of this. And I think Nick Nurse has done an amazing job. We spoke about Coach of the Year before, and Brandon was really louding the Cavaliers, because, you know, they're, they're so unique in their approach. They have three seven-footers. But look at the Raptors. Like, not a lot of people could even envision how they could succeed with a group of six, nine guys. And they're showing you. It's switching on defense. It's At the beginning of the year, a lot of it looked ugly because it wasn't polished. Right? Yeah. And now you see the finished product, and you can start to see this vision that Masai had. And it's scary. I don't think there is a team in the, in, in the East – that's in the top four that wants to play us. I, I, I truly don't. Yeah, Every team and, that plays us is, is petrified basically. And we're, and we're going to get, you know, in the next section, we're going to talk about the different potential matchups there, but just to build off your point, you know, in, in an era of small ball and three pointers, you know, what the Raptors have, have generated is like long ball, right? Like these, these guys, that are interchangeable, positionless. The ability to the ability to defend the perimeter and the three at all costs, right? In, and in, including not having this dominant center. Look, do I think we still need a guy that can catch lobs, block shots, be an interior presence? I I don't think the team can can truly manifest its true potential if we don't have at least that player as a backup. But. I didn't think they would be as effective as they are. Like that first game, uh, I believe it was against the Wizards. That was ugly, right? That was ugly. And to see the offense, how it's working now, the way they're sharing the ball, it goes to Nick Nurse. And I also really like how, you know, they're, they're, they're mixing up modern and, and old school stuff. You know, they, they'll post up a lot, right? They, because all their players are 6'8", 6'9", if they see a mismatch, 
they utilize it, right? They get down on the block and they post the guy up and they make them double and then they kick it out. For sure. And I mean, look, Nick Nurse isn't afraid to use the length, right? Like we will go into zone. We will trap. We will yeah. double. We, there's so many things we can throw at them because we can switch so easily that it it's just it's that level of unpredictability. And just to go back to your point, I don't I, I disagree. I don't think we do need that big man. I, I think I'd rather have more shooters off the bench, mm-hmm. like like more um, you know people that can dribble and create their own shot. Essentially, um, ideally, I think well, ideally we have both. Like I'm not saying that we that, that we don't. You're right. The shooting may be even more important. Chris Boucher, the guy just blocks shots, hits threes, and rebounds the ball. Is he not good enough now for you, Greg? You've moved well, on. Doctor, you don't care about Chris Boucher? Yo, how dare you? <laughs> I was, I've been on the, I was driving the Chris Boucher train. He's a free agent this summer. Do so you want him back or not? Or would you rather I like him? I like him as an energy switchable big off the bench. He's had a good year. He's finally found, he's found that niche. He's not trying to be uh, the next coming of Kevin Durant. I just feel like when you know in the playoffs and the game slows down, when you got to deal with with the Joel Embiid's, I wonder if it. And also, I think defensively, our interior isn't intimidating enough. You need a deterrent. Right. So I'm not talking about a big plotting center like we have with Valentunas, but even somebody like a DeAndre Ayton, right? Uh, right. Somebody that is switchable, that can block shots, cat, catch lobs. But look, the, the, the last player I think we need to acknowledge here is Siakam. Like, what about, like, I didn't, I wasn't sure that we were going to see this version of him ever again. And in fact, we saw a better really? version. Really? Really? I'm, I'm shocked at that because. Uh... People took way, 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 way too much into the bubble season, in my opinion. Like, it, put it this but way. It there are fans that will go around saying that it's a Mickey Mouse ring for the Lakers, but the same people will also criticize players that didn't play well in the bubble. Now, that's a bit yeah. of a contradiction to me, is it not? So, no, I, I agree with that. It's, but to me, it's not just the bubble. Last year, although his numbers were better, it was the way he was playing. He was playing too much like, um, you know, a heat check offensive player, pull up threes, you know, shots off the dribble. Now you see him, he's stepping inside the arc more. He's just more measured. I think he understands his limitations as a player and kind of who he is. And he's got back to giving us that defense. But his playmaking, the guy's averaging five assists a game. I mean, it's not easy to go from... What? I mean, the championship season in the playoffs, he was our second scoring option, but for sure. But to go from number two to number one is it's pretty hard, man, especially when in the bubble, like we still had Lowry, we still had Van Vliet, we still had OG. Like it was almost like he had to take over that scoring role. So of course he, of course he's doing too much, right? He was trying to really grasp that and take over one would argue. And look, I always thought, always thought that this guy especially with his just raw athleticism could be a really good passer. He's always had that passing sort of ability. And Mm -hmm. this year he just put it all together. And look, that's the last reason why I think there's the biggest difference from last year to this year is because yeah, we weren't playing at home like COVID Tampa Bay. There were so many things that went against the Raptors specifically last year that didn't affect other teams as much. And someone like Siakam and Fred Van Vliet said it as well is not all the players are dealing with it the best way, right? Like you kind of need that home base. You need, I don't know. It's hard to describe, but clearly, clearly the Raptors demonstrated that be playing at home and having a crowd and having your fans, like it makes a big difference for the players. Oh yeah. Yeah. And 
We're going to talk now uh, a little bit about the potential playoff matchups. But before we do that. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We're going to pause for a moment for our sponsor, DraftKings, where Brandon is going to talk about UFC 273 this weekend. Two titles are up for grabs on the stacked UFC 273 card. Join the action of DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter and get $100 in free bets. Win or lose, guaranteed. That's crazy. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get on the excitement. Everyone can play for a share of millions in prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy MMA Contest. Draft your lineup of fighters while staying under the salary cap and rack up points for strikes, takedowns, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit or draw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. That's TBPN. Throw down $5 on UFC 273 and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code TBPN this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. 21 plus restrictions apply. And we're back. So we want to end this pod by talking about potential first round matchups for the Raptors, assuming that we end up now in this fifth seed. I really don't see Chicago with the way they're going, Lonzo Ball is going to be up for the year. Uh, they got a harder schedule. They got Boston coming up. They basically have have, have three playoff or uh, play-in teams that they're playing in Minnesota, uh, Boston, and Charlotte. Our schedule is much easier. Two non-playoff teams and a playoff team. So we're looking at most likely a fifth seed. The issue is we don't know who we're going to be playing in the four or five matchup. So we're going to have to go through all of them to kind of, and we're going to say which one of these teams, if you're the Raptors, because look, they're going to be, they're not going to be favored in any of these matchups, but we're going to go through and we're going to see which one of these teams we would feel most confident about potentially beating. And let's start with the team that I do not feel comfortable with us beating and I hope we do not draw and that is the defending NBA champions the Milwaukee Bucks Graf what are your thoughts here what has to happen if the Raptors play play the Bucks to make this a series you're right I, I, I do agree with you that that's probably the one series we want to avoid um I mean, I don't think anyone really wants to play the Bucks, but shit, look, if if we're going to go against the Bucks, then we're going to have to pretty much have either Precious or Siakam 
be the Giannis stopper, so to speak. I mean, the Raptors are really, really, really good at focusing in on one superstar and another team and shutting them down. But Milwaukee's that, you know, that scary team that has Drew Holiday. They've got Chris Middleton. They've got even Bobby Portis this year. They they can attack and they can really, really hurt you in so many different ways. Um, for me, the Bucks, especially without home field advantage, would be the biggest, you know, sort of mismatch for us. And we would have to rely... Honestly, we'd have to rely a lot on the three ball. They're kind of the prototypical first team that did this long team like that the Raptors are doing right now, right? Like they have a lot of bigs that are on the floor and are anchored by one of the best defensive point guards in Drew Holiday. So you would imagine that he's going to, I wouldn't say shut down Fred Van Vliet, who's our second best scorer. He's going to bother Fred Van Vliet. He's going to bother him. We're going to need big series from OG, from Barnes, from um, from Gary. It's going to be a lot harder to get those offensive rebounds that we're so used to getting and relying on, to be honest, for those putback points. Um, and not to mention, they're a fucking good transition team both ways. So all of our strengths, seemingly, that the Raptors have and why we beat teams, it, it, it sort of goes out the window when we face a team like, like Milwaukee. Now, can we beat them? I, I think we can beat any team because the one weakness of Milwaukee, in my opinion, is their mental ability. And you kind of get this team. It, you saw it when we were on the championship run. And I know this is a long time ago now, but as soon as you start winning games against Milwaukee, they start questioning everything and it hurts them a ton. So, well, uh, yeah, I, I, I was just going to say, I think those bucks that the Raptors slayed uh, those in years past, I think those bucks are, have been reborn anew, right? In, in after the championship, this team looks like they are confident going into the playoffs. They know exactly who they are. I mean, look, we beat them three times this year. Okay. So we do match up. Like if there's a team that's built to defend the honest, it's the Raptors, right? And I think we really do bother him. Uh, I, I, however, I really don't see us being able to even take it. You know, maybe we get, I, I'd say we get a game in Toronto, maybe get one in Milwaukee. Uh, I, you know, I have faith in this team to grind against any team, maybe and push it to five or six, but it, it would be a big ask for this group, uh, especially with, um, you know, it's a young, younger core to be able to compete with a team like the Bucks. So well, that Serge is going to tell them all our secrets too. He's going to expose us. That's right. That's right, Serge. But let's look at the next team. Let's look at the next team. And so hold on. What, what's your prediction then? If we were to face Milwaukee in a seven-game series, what's your final final prediction? Bucks and six. Bucks and six, yeah. See, I, I would say Raptors and seven, um, and that is just me being completely pick. the devil's advocate homer pick here. Yeah, exactly. I'm playing to the crowd. Um, so, Greg, you're up next. What, 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 what? Who's next? In so, in terms of teams, I least likely, or, or sorry, in terms of teams that we don't want to play, right? It goes Bucks. And then next, and because we're not factoring in the Heat, because the Heat are, are going to get the number one seat at this point. So the yeah, three options the here are the Bucks, yep, the Celtics, and the Sixers. And that is the order of teams I don't want to play. So next, we do have the Celtics, who at 49 and 30 uh, have been the hottest team uh, in, in the NBA probably since the new year. Best defense in the NBA 
I would say the one caveat here is that the injury to Robert Williams, Time Lord, uh, makes their defense a little less scary. And I will also say that we tend to, I, I, I mean, this team is built on their, they got really strong wings in in Tatum and, and, and Brown. We got guys that I think can bother them, right? Uh, to, to me, I think that a series with Boston can, can definitely go seven games. I would still, though, give it most likely to, to the Celtics. I just think that the way that Tatum has been playing. I mean, he, usually, right, the team with the best player in a playoff series. And and he's – I used to think that him and Siakam were closer than they are, but Tatum has just taken off in in, in my mind. They seem like a they, – they're another team that no one wants to play, right? I mean, look, I was saying, what, three weeks ago that Tatum should be more – taken more seriously in the MVP conversation and shit. I mean, he just keeps getting – you're right. He keeps getting better and better seemingly – every half season at a time. And I think the scariest draw was when we played them and they didn't have Brown Tatum or Horford and Marcus smart pretty much carried them to a really, really, really close game against the Raptors where some could argue we could have lost or we should have lost that game. So yeah, um, I have trouble though with games like that. When you run, you're missing that many starters, putting stock in the fact that it was close. Because in those games, often when the Raptors know that they, the other team's starters aren't playing, it's it's kind of human nature for you not to bring your best effort. However, it is revealing that they can be competitive, you know, at, when we're in Toronto without such key players, right? And just yeah. over, you know, this year the Celtics. Uh, beat us well no we tied our we, we tied the season series so two, two two yeah but three games were really early in the season like the, and the last game was basically they didn't have anybody so and and i'll say scotty barnes has been amazing against the celtics amazing yeah and there, you know what like so what is your opinion on the question of the vaccination because this is a this is something that i mean a lot of people talked about when we faced the celtics but there was never really any answer given on if Jalen Brown and Tatum and Horford are actually vaccinated and thus would they be able to play in Toronto? I, I don't know the answer to this question yet. Doctor, do you have an answer to this? My thought is that, or my theory is that if they aren't, they might soon get vaccinated because they will get destroyed in the Boston media the Boston sports media, if they don't like if either Tatum or Brown is missing, then they're vulnerable. And for that reason, I think the Celtics uh, are, a are a much more favorable matchup, despite the fact that they've been playing amazing basketball, that for that reason, it's possible, right. That, that we can, you know, face a team that's only, you know, 80, 90% and anything can happen in those series. So on this ridiculous scale, where would you rank the statement the Raptors shouldn't get to play playoff games at home since they're in another country? It's absurd. It's that's absolutely. probably a 10 out of 10, right? Because that's actually something that's been circling the media. And I mean, shit. Uh, at this point, if you can't get vaccinated and come into Canada, it's been a whole goddamn season. You've known the rules. Uh, you know, you got to kind of look at yourself in the mirror considering every Raptors player has to be vaccinated to play in the U.S. as well, right? Like, it, it, that, that excuse is pretty much bullshit in my sense of mind. 
Yeah, absolute, absolute bullshit. Um, so look, the final team that I actually originally What's your went, prediction? What's your prediction for Boston? And we face them. Uh, no Tatum or Brown. Uh, I what? think no, no, no. With with Tatum and Brown. <laughs> with Tatum, no, I, I, I'm going to give you both. Okay, without them, I think the Raptors can take it in seven. Uh, what? Okay, yeah, I think if if one of those two guys aren't playing, I got the Raptors. They're going to win that series. I think if they have all their horses, I see uh, Boston beating us in six or seven. Okay, I think we win in five if Tatum or Brown don't play. And if they do, because again, like Horford starting now at center because of Robert Williams. So there's a great Williams, basically their power forward. I know he can hit threes, but he can't really defend. I mean, he can it's defend. Not playing games in Boston. It's t- I mean, if they're okay, if they don't have Tatum, then yeah. But I, I anticipate Tatum will will be playing. I think the most likely guy that isn't vaccinated from is is probably Brown. Right. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Then I then I, I have the Raptors in seven. Then. Um, Last year, that OG Ananobi shot will be ingrained in my memory. And I just wish that there were actual fans around to see it. This year, we actually have a home crowd. And I think that would be the difference. So I think the Raptors in seven. I don't shoot trying to miss. Um, final team here, the team that when, when that big trade happened this year, uh, I was all in on the notion that Philly was going to be the team to beat. They came out of the gate with Harden, uh, you know, very strong. And since then it's been up and down. Uh, I look and it's funny because if you look at our roster construction, you would say the one team we don't want to play is Philly because they have this monster in the middle and we have absolutely no match for him. We have to double team him. It's going to open up shooting. Uh, However, uh, based on the play of Harden and the way that, Tobias Harris has kind of struggled to integrate himself into the new offense. I got to say, I think Philly's probably the the best matchup for us at this point. And, and I think that with the way that Harden's been playing, I could see an upset happening here. Uh, I, I fully agree with you. I mean, look, let's go back to the very beginning of the podcast. You mentioned Joel Embiid and we don't have a Joel Embiid sort of stopper quote unquote. Uh, this was what three, two weeks, March twentieth, and beat only at twenty-one points. We beat them. They didn't even get ninety points as a team combined. I mean, Harden was playing, Maxi was playing, and Bede was playing. Tybal was playing. Harris yeah. was playing. They had everyone. Um, the game wasn't pretty, but we did exactly what we needed to do to beat them, and we kind of made them look like shit in the process. Honestly, we we beat them by twenty-four to fourteen in the fourth quarter there. They just couldn't score on us. So it seems like, I don't know. For me, it seems like the Raptors have, or Nick Nurse, I should say specifically, is going to win us this series. Because I'm still in the mindset that Doc Rivers is probably, I mean, he's got to be bottom tier, bottom half of coaches in the NBA right now. And arguably in the 20 to 30 range. Like, I don't don't think Doc Rivers is a good coach. He's very good at, at not winning in big games. Harden has the exact same reputation. If it's really just Embiid, you got to focus on because look, Tobias Harris, he will have one good game in the seven. Maxi will have his moments, but I don't think he's going to win them any games. Tybal is not an offensive threat, and there's too many Raptors players, in my opinion, that can score that you can't just focus on one. So we can really take advantage of 
for one, whoever Harden's guarding, and for two, whoever Maxi's guarding. Because we can just drill those matchups over and over and keep switching until we get the ideal matchups we want. And Siakam can basically go to work here because he's a mid-range specialist this year. He doesn't need to be down, down low. Um, you're right. I, and they also don't have any bench. In my opinion, the 76ers are the least deep team in the NBA. Sure, they have Danny Green, but... That's not, that, a, it's, that's, not it's, a deep, that's not a deep bench if 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 that's who. Well, you're no, it's, it's Gorgeous no. Yang and DeAndre no. Jordan and and they're you know. and, and 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 Rivers likes to play them. So I will say, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Doc gets a Doc's you know he's he's really fallen from grace as a as a coach. I mean, I remember when the Clippers uh, basically traded to get him as a coach. Right, he's a hot commodity. Um, yeah, how'd that work? Yeah. Uh, we're going to play Philly on Thursday and that's going to be probably is that's going to be a good playoff test. And we're going to see what a motivated Sixers team looks like. Cause they're going to want to send a message to us. I think that it would take a lot of scheming though. Like we would have to get it. Look, if Joel Embiid, if we can't find a way to stop him, I think he will beat us. Right. Like it's just too, it's it, sometimes with Embiid, it just looks too easy for him to score uh, unimpeded, right? And I don't know how we'll be able to sustain that over the course of a seven-game series. That being said, Harden's hamstring, like something, either the guy's lifestyle has caught up with him, or he still has issues with that with the hamstring. Because I see the problem with his burst and getting by people, right? So his offense is so dependent on that step back three. And you know what? OG has traditionally guarded Harden very well, so. I, I, if I'm Philly, I don't want to play us. I really don't. I think, I think we're probably a matchup that they really try to avoid. I that's got, one of the reasons yeah. why I think that Philly will try on Thursday's game because they're tied with the Bucks and Celtics. They would much, much, much rather face the Cavs who are injury riddled right now. And they would, they're going to try as hard as they can to jump into that two seed. Whereas tomorrow, I don't really think the Raptors are going to come out that hard. Riding right? on it. Not as much right. as riding on it. Really, fact, we don't really care. We control the narrative here. If we want to face Philly in the playoffs, we start as hard as we can tomorrow. We try to beat them. And that, I don't want to say guarantees it because there's only three games left, but that puts them, keeps them in fourth, keeps us pretty much solidified as fifth. We, you know, if we win tomorrow, we can rest our guys for the next two games against the Knicks. Yeah. I think the issue um, with going out and really trying to beat Philly is that you don't want to play your overplay your hand and because you don't want to we're, we're, we're gonna have to um, be a bit coy uh, and really scheme right uh, and I I think that you don't want to give up too much of what you're going to be doing against them because it's going to take some gimmicky stuff given that we don't have a player that can just match up straight up with Embiid at least to like guard him right mm-hmm. Uh, I can see so, Malachi Flynn start instead of Van Vliet, and I can see a precious start instead of Siakam. We, we got to give these guys a break. Siakam is leading the league in minutes right now, and Fred Van Vliet is averaging the most minutes per game. So uh, they deserve it. Yeah. Well, well, look, I mean, so as it currently stands, if we play Philly, that's the series I give the Raptors the best chance to win. I would say uh, Raps in seven with a melt with a James Harden meltdown in Philadelphia. Oh, I'd actually love that. Um, I think Raps in six if we face them. Uh, they're obviously bound to get a couple games, but I just don't see how Nick Nurse can lose to Doc Rivers. I just 
hey, man, it's too tough. Unless they have three all-stars. The, the, the players play, man. You, you know, like I could see it, right? The big man, that's going to be the story. It's can Embiid kill us? Can and the answer will be no, because Nick Nurse will scheme against him. Well, there's no Marcus All to save us now. Okay. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Toronto. You can catch us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or not SoundCloud, sorry, Spotify, uh, iTunes. Anything else I'm forgetting here, Graf? The one and the only Apple Music. <laughs> That's right. And of course, on the Basketball Podcast Network, where you can full follow them on Twitter as well. Peace out, T-Dot. Yes, Miku, the man, the unsung hero.